welcome to Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical, about Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical. To stay up to date on news, share your thoughts and opinions, and generally spend more time thinking about this, you should please visit twofoolstrying.com. That's T-W-O foolstrying.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Fools Trying. Last time on Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical. Absolutely. Santa blasts out of the White House every year with his <laughs> That's right. With his sack of bills and executive orders for all the good girls and boys. <laughs> Even if I thought of either of the Mrs. Harrisons, I couldn't name either. George. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, I can share with you the the first ladies that were in our original draft, and then I'll share with you what I think I would go with now, and then you can tell me oh. your average American pick. So basically, your preparation for this episode was to just brainstorm as many as you could actually think of till you pooped out, I, and that was about it. You wanted the average American approach. <laughs> what is it about each of these characters distinctly that's going to drive us to get to the end of where we need to get to? What a powerhouse. That's a pr- pretty compelling list and variety. You've got some people in there that people don't really know. So I think there has to be a musical unity a sound, a sound yes. for the show. Agree. Um, that is going to be that is going to be all you. That was last time. Now this time. Yeah, you hung up on me that time. Yes, I did. And do you hear me now? Yes, I do. Very clearly. All right. Now we're now we're set up. We are indeed. Excellent. How's it going? Um. Okay. <laughs> Surviving. That is job one, and yeah. so far that has been accomplished. So yes. Well, well done. You should feel very proud of yourself. I am. And I just went to the grocery store. And? Bought food. And I also went to the liquor store. Ah, much more important. I got a wine tasting online later. I made a special trip. Business is booming, by the way, at the liquor store. I should think so. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) Because this entire situation is driving everyone to drink. We should be maybe, you know... Two fools trying to brew beer. <laughs> now, we'd I probably think, be better off. <laughs> I think we'd both be much more interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do this with beer for an episode, just as like a special episode. Well, how about uh, this episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not prepared now. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. I'm up in my hermetically sealed sound studio. Excellent. Uh, called the master bedroom ah plenty of sound absorbing equipment around you exactly and no fridge so before the next episode i'll get ready yeah you you should do that so treat it like a hotel room and have a mini bar in there <laughs> i may i will i'm going to take that up under advisement put that yeah. in the notes uh, yeah i will i've made i have made a note my name's joe and i'm steve and you are listening to Two fools trying to make a musical. And we have made progress. What, did we? Uh, well, sure we did. We've, we've talked a lot and, well, that's, that, maybe that's, that's it. Progress. But That's okay. progress, yeah. So we've, right. we talked a lot. We had a nice conversation with um, Michelle Gullion a couple of episodes ago. And then last time, what did we talk about last time? Uh, we nailed down our top 50 – well, maybe I shouldn't put it that way. We <laughs> narrowed down our, 
We'll just edit that right out. Yeah, that's we right. We narrowed down. <laughs> Our best stuff, Joe, though, never makes it into the podcast. All right. We narrowed down the first ladies to our top 15. That's what we did. That's right. I think we've got a, there's a, an impressive group. It is. And I, uh, we also had a, uh, I think in the notes, we had a, what we thought our top five was. Yes. And what we thought our top 10 was within the top 15. And I put that somewhere. You would think it would be important, but I don't. <laughs> I don't well, what it? No, actually, you know what? I think I have it in front of me. I, here it is, and uh, I did change it a little bit. Okay, Are you trying to sneak Julia Tyler back in there? No, nah, I left her in the bottom fifteen. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think our top five were Dolly, Hillary, Martha, Jackie, and Michelle. I think that's the top five. That sounds right. Okay, then we got Nancy Reagan, Betty Ford, Eleanor Roosevelt, Lady Bird Johnson, and Edith Wilson in the top ten. And then the bottom five of our top 15, Barbara Bush, Mary Todd Lincoln, Julia, Helen Taft, and Francis Cleveland. I tell you, though, Joe, I'm tempted to move Edith Wilson out of there and replace her with either Barbara Bush or Mary Todd Lincoln. And, and why is that? Um, no one knows who she is. <laughs> she's got a great story, but I feel like you could tell it in the top 15 and then people would go, oh, that's interesting. And they'd be done with her. Okay. So w- who would you rather have in the top 10? Would you rather it be uh, Barbara Bush or Mary Todd Lincoln? That's what kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, that's an, in- that's, that's an interesting, because we've got several contemporary first ladies in that top five. So Mary Todd. Yeah. Yeah. I just worry the longer she sticks around, the more likely I am to write something terrible about her since she was she had some issues. It's probably best we could, Barbara Bush. Uh, no. <laughs> Mary Todd. <laughs> Barbara's fine. Uh, that's okay. We can change it later. But that's so that's what we got. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so that works for me. I think where we were then we wanted to talk today about the general plot, like try and nail down what the thing is. Is that right? Uh, yes. Okay. So, and of course, as a quick explanation, we're choosing 15 because 15 was the magic number for the concept of a pageant. Yes. Any pageant has a top 15 cut down right at the start. I want to tell you first, I, I as I was doing some research and, and, you know, as I like to do, because that excuses me from actually doing any work. Huh. Um, I watched clips of previous Miss America pageants. Ah, good idea. It was really fascinating. Um, And right up until 2018, they had an announcer announce the names as the contestants walked out. At the very beginning? Right. Right. And in 2019, every contestant introduced herself. I think that's probably more of what we'll do. Because one of the things I've been thinking about is we're going to have to have a host, right? Right. Except the host is the person that we're going to care about the least. Right. And so one of the challenges we're going to have is tying this whole thing together where the main role isn't the person that is least important. So we're, we're going to try and devalue that host. 
as much as we possibly can. So we absolutely have to have one to kind of tie things together. I've actually had a thought about it. I think we just call it host, and that's it. I like it. For example, in Assassins, which we keep referencing, they had a narrator-ish character like that, and they just called it uh, the Balladeer. And if you think about Into the Woods, which we've referenced here, uh, they had one, they just called it narrator. Right. Right. Uh, not important. And so I think that that's in the script. We'll just call it host. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. So before I given some thought then to how this should play out and we'll get back. And maybe before I do that, you can give us some more thoughts on what you learned from watching American pageants, which I I find amazing. But I have a philosophical question for you. I love those. So my wife has been listening to some of our uh, our early podcasts, and and by that I mean one. And so <laughs> appreciate <laughs> she it. couldn't she couldn't get into the second one. She said, <laughs> "Well, you know, it it requires a certain um, persistence, right?" And I'm sure the dozens of listeners that we have would, would probably agree. But anyway, well, she, we're <laughs> we're only concerned with the one listening now. That's right. So. Um, I told her what we've been working on since, and I said, you got to get caught up. And I said, we've we've narrowed down the top 15 first ladies. She said, oh, and I said, and I think I know who our final two is going to be. She said, oh, don't tell me. And I said, well, we're going to talk about it. That's what the podcast is. We're right. making the show. She said, so you're going to tell everyone about the show before you get anyone a chance to see the show? Spoiler alert, she says. So here's the philosophical question, Joe. Mm. Do we care? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, was just, I was just making sure. See, I, I think we don't care either because this is about our creative process, right? So we kind of have to bear all, sort of. It is, and we're not necessarily going to... Um, finish. <laughs> finish it, ever. <laughs> And we're not necessarily going to read out the entire script, so I think it's just right. as important how we get there okay. than where we're going. All right. I just wanted to make sure before we went any further. Plus, also, you know, I think about what the way people listen to Broadway musicals today. I mean, if you think about it, how many people actually get to go to New York and see a Broadway show? Usually, they're listening to the soundtrack first. They're listening to it on, you know, some Broadway streaming channel or something. It's on a playlist. People go to see Hamilton finally for the first time, and they're already singing the songs with the characters. Yeah, it's much more like you know you go in and see your favorite band. Yeah, um, in in the eighties or something, or the nineties when when you know when you go see Queen for the first time. That's my point of reference for a big stadium band or U two or something like you know you you know the songs already. Or Huey Lewis in the News, right, Joe? Well, of, of course, yes. Right up there with Queen. I I neglected to mention the third of the Holy Trilogy. Thank you, Joe, because that holds up the stool that is modern pop music. That's the third leg. My man Huey. But That's anyhow, right. So, yes, I, I am not going to talk about Prince for the entire episode. So, Oh, very good, because know. then we'd have no time left. That's right. So, all right, because when I think about like Hamilton, for example, uh, I'm not like most people. I have I'm a historian. And I direct theater, and I have not listened to one second of that soundtrack. All I know is Alexander Hamilton, and that's it. 
And the reason is because I want to see it the way it was intended. But I think I'm just weird and not like most people. So I'm holding out for the Lin-Manuel Miranda movie. And now I'm only about 15 months out. So if I can make it through the pandemic, uh, my strategy will have paid off. Well, the movie isn't necessarily how it was intended to be presented either. That's the best I'm going to get. I want to see Ma- I want to see Miranda do it. Mm, okay. Okay. All right. But we're going to we're going to go ahead with the spoilers and who cares. Well, yeah, because I think it's first of all I th- I'll repeat what I said a moment ago, which I think as far as the product itself goes, it's as much about the journey. Oh, I'm going to use the word journey. My wife and I had a discussion the other day about how reality TV has um forever damaged the word journey because for her because everyone is on a journey now um so i i apologize in advance for for the use of the word in a trite fashion but the the way that we get to where we're going i think is as important as the destination itself so from a philosophical point of view there's that and from a practical point of view if we don't actually do this podcast, we're not going to do a musical. We've, <laughs> we've, we've already had 13 years trying to do it, so, you know. You and I are in agreement. I just wanted to make sure, so yes. now I can tell my wife uh, she's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and by that's the way, all, I won't be that's doing all that. you. <laughs> I won't be doing that. Right. But since she's not listening to the podcast episodes, I can say that. that then you're good. Okay, so in our Google Doc here, Joe, yes. uh, that we've been sharing, I, I've put a, a skeletal kind of summary of a plot kind of outlay. Okay. So let me talk to you what I've come up with, and then you tell me what you think. So I should probably look at that, should Well, you could. First of all, maybe there are some more things you gleamed out of YouTube pageant watching that I should be thinking about before I go through that. Did you get anything else out of that? Besides the women introducing themselves, did you have anything else that you got out of that? I was listening with my musical ear. Ah, okay. I was trying to determine what kind of sounds accompany this parade that's happening. You know, as, as the contestants walk out, what kinds of sounds... And, uh, I mean, my, te- my main takeaway was that it was largely pastiche whatever was popular at the time. Right. Glitzy. Glitzy. It was glitzy in the 70s and 80s, and then it got more poppy in the 90s, and then in the 2000s it turned into NSYNC ripoffs. And then then more recently, it's uh, uh, 2018, there was this long catwalk, it seems, and it was a, a sort of sequence of... I can't even remember if they were uh, quote-unquote real songs or not, but it sounded like female solo artists singing meaningful something or other. All right. So of no use whatsoever. Zero use to you. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to say no use, but zero (laughs) use to you. All right. So here's what I, I think, because we've committed to this pageant idea, the way it plays out. So we begin with the First Ladies on Parade right at the outset. And I think that whole sequence is musicalized, right? Where the women are introducing themselves and they can each have a a line or two. Yes. At most where, hi, I'm so-and-so and, and, you know, here's what you should know about me or what, however we choose to do that. 
and I think if you watched, you know, the opening of some of these pageants, it seems like they'll do a chunk of contestants and then the whole group sings a little, then they'll do another chunk. Then the whole group sings a little. So something for us to think about would be, uh, what are our chunks of, <laughs> right. of contestants? Right. Right. Are we going, uh, chronologically, are we going, uh, I think probably more interestingly, by type, you know, group, or maybe uh, going against type a little bit. Mm. So there's some things we can play with there in terms of how they're introduced. But that would be uh, an exciting opening, hopefully not endless thing. Right. Which sets up ev- everything that happens next. And then right after that, we do our cut down to our top 15. So there's there's a big opening number and then we get a, we get rid of a whole bunch of members of the cast. Correct, but they can come back. They and they will come back. Okay. Cuz you know when they do different competitions frequently, you know the you know the nightgowns or whatever if if you're doing Miss America the the top 15s parading around and the other ones are serenading them. Right? So we can bring them back. Okay. So Something that I think then we need to do in between is we need to have some other types of gags. So one thing that they do is they'll, from time to time, they will award um, other contestants. Like, well, she's not in our top 15, but all the women voted, and here's Miss Congeniality. Yep. Right? Or here's uh, America's Choice. So I think we need to brainstorm like a bunch of special awards Mm. that we can give out to any of the other first ladies and that's like a little bit of a a comic nugget that we throw in from time to time yeah that gets us to know other people and kind of uh you know strings the thing along um i also had the thought you know usually they have this thing where they introduce who the judges are well again just like the host we don't really care about the judges no but it is kind of a staple and the w- ladies can't be on stage the entire time. You know, maybe, you know, that could be a show where we could write in, hey, when you're producing this show, uh, you could have your own gag cameos, you know, some local humor or something like that. Well, could this could this be audience participation? Could we bring up members of the audience? That could be, you know, so something, some kind of fun there with introducing who the judges are, right? Yeah. And then we have our next competition, and I think it should be something like um, White House social attire or something, right? And then we have a montage of these women coming out uh, with the backing first ladies, and they get to sing a little bit about whatever it is that they – you know, they, yeah. I don't know what they thought about hosting parties or whatever. And maybe some of them were really good at it, and maybe some of them hated it. Uh, but that could be kind of comic as well. Then I think we have a cut down to our top 10. Right. We have another special award in there. Uh, something frequently that you could do, another running gag could be introducing sponsors. And this is something mm. the other first ladies can do as well from time to time. And now a word from our sponsor. These could be all made up. And they could be, you know, maybe completely inappropriate sponsors. Yes. That could highlight some issue that we want to address 
generally about the first ladies? Yeah, we could rewrite that. That could be something that could be rewritten depending on what the hot topic is at the time. I'm thinking how the lyrics of the List song in the Mikado gets rewritten um, depending on what's going on at the time or what's funny at the time. Right. So the, the, then the question becomes, and I do think we have to do that because we're we're writing something that immediately is going to start aging. Yes. Right. The show, it's not, yes, <laughs> it's not timeless. Um, and in fact, you know, maybe, boy, I don't know, you know, we, we might have to have some contemporary changes allowed in terms of, you know, a contestant here or there, you know, but right. how, how do you do that? How do you write something where you allow people to have the right to make changes? I mean, I guess, as you said, you know, Drood allows it, right? But Drood is giving you options that audiences pick from. Yeah, it's from the, it, it creates its own world. That's different from leaving it just wide open to yeah. someone who's doing your show to just throw in something. Right? Well, I think of the group Capital Steps that does all this, you know, right. very contemporary political comedy. Um, and they're constantly rewriting but I think I think we can find ways as we develop this idea. There'll be ways and moments, you know, where we could add things in. It's not. I mean, we're not necessarily um, creating this for twenty years' time. We are creating it for now, um, and you never know. We might still be around in twenty years' time, <laughs> and and so might the first ladyship. Uh, we might have, I mean, I, you know, hopefully. Well, right. As soon as you get a first man or something, right. it changes the whole show. Absolutely. And honestly, that's something that I thought about. That's one of the reasons why I didn't choose Hillary, for example, in my f- top 15 the first time we tried this. Because at that time in 2007, I think maybe we talked about this or maybe we didn't. But, you know, in 2007, it looked like she was going to be the nominee of 2008. Well, we know how right. that turned out, right? She didn't Indeed. get it. Barack got uh, Obama got it. That's right. But then she became Secretary of State, and we thought, all right, well, I guess she'll just get it in 2016. Yeah. Well, she didn't get it again. <laughs> well, she so did. So basically, well, yes, yeah, she got the nomination, but she didn't win the election. So well, she did. <laughs> well, okay, Joe. She won That's the popular vote. That's not how the Electoral <laughs> College works, Joe. That was on your citizenship test, right? You know this. Yeah, but it's stupid. Okay. <laughs> As a part of being an American, you have to accept all of these stupidities. That's right. In fact, I, actually, I Joe, I think if I think if Hillary Clinton had actually followed through and become president at least one of those times, we might have finished the darn show. It's possible, <laughs> and we and we would have a clear cut ending. I think you know that we would. We'd be or done. She would, have, she would have instantly ruined it, one or the other. <laughs> Maybe we should be thanking her. I, I suppose. All right, so I'll we got introduced to sponsors. Then we got, I think, I think instead of you know maybe the the cut down to the top five, I see something like a challenge competition, like a like a Survivor challenge. We'll we'll, we'll break the first ladies into teams, uh, and it'll be like three teams of three in a schoolyard pick, and one poor first lady has to sit out, and that could be kind of fun. And then those three teams are forced to do something terrible in a challenge and we watch to see how they turn out. Well, could could it be something 
and I I don't have a specific example, but I have a an I a concept in mind, an idea in mind, where they have to perform some task that is stereotypically male, or you know, because I think we've there's got to be ways in which we play with this with gender roles in this. Yes, I think we I think there's three different challenges, and the different teams pick their challenge. And they're probably all a disaster one way or another. <laughs> yes. yes. Either because it was stereotypically male or stereotypically female. Like, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt has to make a strudel or something. You know, it's just <laughs> so something, something like that. Uh, and then that then the cut down to the five. Right. Some more special awards or sponsor gags. Uh, the top five, I think, those are our big five. I think they get to do the interview, right? So there will be like yeah. a question they're asked, and this could be our maybe more serious part of the show where maybe the stakes of what is at, you know, what's at stake here is yeah. maybe coming out a little bit more. We get to know them a little bit more as people. Yeah. Uh, and it's to the point where, gosh, I like all five of these. Who's it going to be? And then your final stroll of first ladies as they're serenaded, at the closing scene and the finale, and and that's it. The running gags that string it together are the special awards, yeah, the sponsorships, yeah, maybe some uh, washed up celebrity guests. <laughs> I like that are a fake celebrity guests, right? And um, or members of the audience given certain lines, maybe read this off a card, maybe. So I think that's I think that's what we have. Well, I I like that. Let let me ask you. I have a question for you. One act or two acts? I think it's one act. Okay. And that way, it's... no one can escape at the intermission. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could still walk out. Yeah. If you're walking out, you're going to do the walk of shame. Right. <laughs> That's what you're gonna do. Are you sh- are you sure we're not gonna be doing that? <laughs> oh, I'm not watching this show. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. No, I think I think one act because I think it's it's um, it's tighter. I think it builds a little more momentum that momentum that way. Yeah. And I also think it forces us to make it leaner. Well, that's definitely something we have to keep in mind. I mean, yes. you know, we have to... It's got to move along. It's got to move. We've got to make sure that um, as we develop the purpose, the working on it, we've got to be ruthless about what we keep and what we cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a clear idea of where it's going and whether everything that's in the show actually serves the purpose of getting us from the beginning to the end. Right. Sometimes gags just serve the purpose as allowing people to change their costumes well honestly you got to get some of these people off stage there there is that (laughs) we can we can consider that as well right but yeah okay so do you so you you like this general kind of plotting yeah i i like the general idea i think the devil will be in the details you think so do you, in terms of details, do you think there are any other types of running gags hmm. 
throughout that we should have. We got special awards. We got goofy sponsorships. We got maybe some, you know, gags on pageants themselves with either judges or washed up celebrities. I mean, that's probably that's probably pretty good, isn't it? What about? Um, I remember when we talked with Michelle. She talked, although it was a relatively recent phenomenon. Um, having to come up with your own mission, like your own Melania's be best. What would you call that? Oh, their cause. Yeah, their cause. Right. So, yes. What if you were to be first lady? Right. What would you do for world peace? Yeah, right? and something like that. Right. So it's it's that kind of thing, and I I think that could be that could be something. Oh, okay. So maybe we hear about first ladies and their causes. Right, and it would be that would ah, okay. That might be an interesting one. I mean, that's certainly something that a, a you know an audience would be familiar with. Right. I don't know whether or not they care that that's a relatively recent thing or not. No, I think that'd be. I think they associate first ladies with that. Right. I mean, it gives us an excuse, whether it be the special awards or the sponsorships or the first ladies and their causes, to drag some of the other ensemble first ladies who didn't make the cuts, so to speak, Yeah, but have an interesting nugget about them because they all do, you can throw that nugget out there through one of those gag structures. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Carolyn Harrison and the White House Christmas. That's interesting. And I'm done with her. So, right. And that's that. <laughs> right? But yeah. In one of those running gags... Uh, we could maybe uh, play with that, uh, that one idea about her. That sounds great. Okay. Well, I guess we, I guess we plotted the. I show. also, I just like the idea of the the two Wilson wives um, in a kick line. <laughs> oh, no. You know, there's going to be two very different versions of this show that we <laughs> right. <laughs> Are there really an adult improv club version of the show with all the first ladies who had strokes and things versus a family friendly version? If we reach that status, I'll be happy. If, <laughs> if anybody cares enough to create a, a mockumentary version of this show, <laughs> I I am good. Paging Christopher Guest. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Unfortunately, I think they call those mockumentaries that he makes. Maybe we don't want that, Joe. No, I think that's exactly what we want. Oh, okay. Yeah. I look I look forward to seeing that as well. I might see that before I see the show. Yeah, that sounds way more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've right. we seem like we've plotted the show. I think so. Okay. I think so. I mean, not really, but Kind of well, a, a structure. Yeah, there's a there's a structure. Yeah, which is the one thing that I thought the pageant idea gave us was structure, right? It kind of it takes you in a direction you have to go, which I like. Yes, I think after you came up with the initial idea of a pageant, we have our structure. Now we've got to fill in the details. Yes, I think like chorus line had its audition idea. Uh, we have our pageant idea. Yes. And uh, we've got our premise. Yes. And we've got all the first ladies across time and space. Right. In one place. Right. Now, one thing I think, and maybe you can think about, 
if thematically there's an opportunity for the first ladies to step out a little bit, because in chorus line, for those people who know the show, you know, there is a, there are a couple of extended montages, one about, you know, them as teens growing up and, and they all participate in that. And then there's another rather lengthy song that several of the ladies sing called at the ballet where yes. they love doing that. And, well, Even the first, the, the first one of those songs is, I think, Hello 12, Hello 13. Correct. And so even though the show, you know, when you're sitting in the audience watching that show, it never really leaves the audition room. And I think this show never really leaves the pageant stage. But I think there's opportunities, and, you know, this would be the director's problem, where the women can step out of themselves for a minute and you know have a moment where they're oh absolutely else, absolutely know? well i think i think we we almost i mean that would be a, a very useful technique yes. to employ because and chorus line does it right in the opening number um you know they're, they're obviously doing an audition um, right you get to hear them in their own head a little but when yes. they, yeah when they sing i hope i get it that's inside right. their heads Right. That's not them singing in the audition. They're dancing while they're doing it, but, you know, it's a dance audition. Okay, so maybe we do need to hear the first ladies in their own heads a little. Well, I or think... maybe some some back or side stage chatter from time to time. Yeah, I, I think, well, I think the back or side stage chatter would allow for, certainly, is, I mean, you talked about costume changes and, you know, shifting around and things like that. That, that could definitely give some space for that but i think you open up the possibility of bringing first ladies together if we if they have a song about um you know a theme that connects them in some way so right. uh, the the thing from um and spoiler alert the last scene that you mentioned uh that, or that you'd written um drafted at least um which uh, our, our good listener has not heard about in detail yet but the the theme of loss and yes. the, you know the various people that have died in their lives i think you know that could be um not necessarily a comedy number but that could be right. a way in which something different late. yeah something to link them um i think this is something that you need to think about yeah because i th in terms of theme that lends itself right into well what would that be musically yeah right so so you know when i wrote that last scene and you looked at it you seized on that and said ooh i think that's a place for a song yes you know i think we've got this general structure but i think one thing that we need to think about is now that we've gifted ourselves this simple structure it isn't that great i think the challenge for us is how can we blow that up from time to time? Yeah. So it's not just a simplistic, very predictable march through this thing, right? I mean, where partway through the show, people are like, oh, God, when are they going to cut it down to eight? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Like, like you always see where it's going and then whoopsie-daisies, you know, we have a little throwing on the last couple pages where there's some drama. I, I think maybe there should be drama at different points throughout where, you know, the first ladies have something uh, to say. And that brings us back to those larger themes we talked about with Michelle. Yeah. And I think that's something 
uh, I need you to think about a little bit because those moments are going to be the musicalized moments. Well, I think right? it, it is. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I, I think conceptually it's a question for both of us because the, it, it's that need for conflict. It's that mm-hmm. need for right. drive for, you know, to keep people caring. I mean, we're not working with a, a book. We're not working with a, a, a plot necessarily. Um, it is more of a concept. So how do we, how do we get um, people to care about their characters? Well, they need to tell their story, but right. I think we can, we can, you know, tease out the conflict and tease out the, the connection um, and, and the humanity. Well, yeah, I think they, they could, they could find their, they could certainly f- find themselves in conflict with each other. But I think, um, you know, perhaps this comes down to uh, a question about what kind, you know, what is this show trying to say? I read that Sondheim had, did I talk about this last time? I don't remember. Yes. Yeah, that um, he believes that every show, concept, musical, or, you know, whatever should contain, and this is the quote, a secret metaphor that nobody knows except the authors. Well, except the authors and anyone, the, the one person who's listening to this podcast. Um, so, I, you know, I just think there's... Well, what's it, that? Well, well that, that's kind of a quest. That's a great question. Um, you know, what is this about? Is this perhaps gets us into the question around Me Too and, and um, women's rights or, you know, is, is this show about that in, and we don't have to be explicit about it, mm-hmm. but is there a, a a message underneath here that we are? I hopefully not trying to hammer people over the head with, but is that in our heads as we're doing this? I think there is a little bit because we've talked about with Michelle and and together how the first ladies are always in a bit of a box, right? Right. Right. And pageants do the exact same thing, right? So I think maybe, and well, maybe I, that's it. Maybe it's breaking yes, out of that box. They're chafing at this whole exercise to a degree, right? I think maybe we need to see that some. Some of them might be fully embracing it because of their competitive nature, or they just, you know, that they just tend to like it. But I think there's there's some chafing at what is is happening to them in this this exercise. Maybe they're not all necessarily thrilled to be there. I mean, we all know that pageants backstage, there's probably backbiting and catfighting and they probably treat each other like crap in some, in some <laughs> ways, right? So we, we're we only seeing what's happening in the pageant from out front. We'll need to see that uh, on stage a little bit, but also with some of the, some of the backstage drama some. So I think maybe that's the th- thematically what needs to come out um, from time to time. And so maybe the step outs is when we get to hear what they're actually thinking. Well, that's an interesting idea. Having, having the difference between what they say when they are presenting as themselves and what they say when they are sharing what's inside them or somehow connecting through that theme, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. Maybe that is... Something that happens when we meet the top 15, when we meet them, um, a quick 
maybe interview intro of, and it could even be a voiceover. They get asked a stupid question, which they frequently always are. And there could even be a voiceover that says something like, uh, her answer. And she gives an answer and what she's really thinking. And then she steps out and, and says that. I So I'm thinking now the uh, about the um, show don't tell rule. Um, yeah. And, and having, rather than having to explain that to an audience, you know, an audience is going to figure that out. If we, so as you were talking, there was, there was a, an idea that popped in my head Um and whether it's dialogue, and I always think about songs when I, you know, when I yeah. think at all. Um, but having, th- they yes, they could all get asked the same question, but they so they approach, they start maybe from the same space and then go off into a very individualistic um, line. It doesn't have to, I mean, we're not talking long songs and this could actually be one song and they all contribute in some way. But all right, they, I think, yeah. They each That's start the five, same. Then. Yeah, it could be the top five. I think so. Because then we can get into that a little bit. They deeper. start okay. the same, they go off into their own um, heads and they start sharing what's in their own heads and then they come back and finish the same. And it's clear to the audience because of the way we show in this song or in this, you know, in the lyrics that in the middle of that line is what's going on in their head, not what they're saying to the Ah. quote unquote audience. And in that way, so if, if they get all asked in the interview and they start the same and then go into their own heads and then finish the same, that shows the box that first ladies themselves are always in. Yes. Okay. I think that would be the inter- I got I think I know now what the interview scene is then. Okay. Okay. Nice. Look Good. At us knocking stuff out. Yeah, all we have to do now is write it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is I mean, it's a masterpiece on paper, Joe. It, well, it's a masterpiece in a podcast right now. <laughs> okay. That's right. All right. So, what do we So, now what do we do? Okay. I think we I think we I think we write a scene. I think we write a scene. Well, the other thing I want to share with you at some point are some musical thoughts. Yes. And I would like to share those with you next time. Okay. So on that note, my name's Joe. I'm Steve. And you have been listening to Two Fools Making a Music. Join us for more foolishness at twofoolstrying.com. Like us on Facebook and follow at Two Fools Trying on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs>